Well, we've been going through the first chapter of Ephesians on Sunday mornings here, and we've come now to verse 22 and 23. And I, I want to just begin by reading. This is, this is the English Standard Version. Ephesians 1, 22 and 23 says, He has put all things under his feet and gave him as the head over all things to the church or for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And I like, I think this is, this is the New International Version, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Uh, words are just, are, are so important. Um, uh, I've, I've kind of been looking for a, another vehicle. I believe my vehicle's about on its last legs. So we've been looking around, and it's interesting. Uh, they, they don't call used cars used cars now. It's pre-owned. That, that seems to sound a little better. And um, one clever salesman called them... Um, previously enjoyed cars. It's kind of like a tissue. This has been previously enjoyed, but you can use it also. Uh, when they, they don't say we're going to raise taxes, they say we're going to increase revenue or shared sacrifice. Charlie Rangel, a Democrat from New York, he, he made the case for taxes by saying, what would Jesus do? Well, that's a new angle, I guess. But one word, a one-word difference, what one word means, if you got hit by a lightning bolt or a lightning bug, you think that means anything? Or just one letter, would you rather be known for preparation or preparation H? <laughs> I mean, which, you know, if you had to be known by one. Or one decimal in a, in a check. Uh, my son played in a, one of his friends played in a restaurant last year one evening, uh, and they gave him a, they paid him $600. And when it got to the IRS, it was turned in, somebody had dropped the decimal so that it looked like he had made $60,000 for that gig. And so he got a bill from the IRS for $22,000. So he paid it and went on his way. <laughs> but that, that's, I mean, a word, a letter, a decimal. When you look at this 
especially verse 23, these words are phenomenal. They're, they're, they are books within one word. They are like little embryonic seeds that just can grow and expand your horizons on how you view Christianity in the New Testament. And I, I just want to take a few minutes and look at these words. Um, we looked at how, in verse 22, he's put all things under his feet. That is, when Jesus was resurrected and exalted to the right hand of God, everything is now under his authority. And gave him his head over all, verse 22, to or for the church. That is, his position and power is primarily for the church. That is the, that's the direction that it runs in, that he uses it for, is for his church. Which he says, and then here's three words I want us to look at, verse 23, which is his body, that's one word, might put a little circle around that word, then the word fullness, the fullness of him, put a little circle around fullness, who fills all. Now, those are three incredible ideas, and I just want to put those in front of you. The first thing is all of the power of Christ flows in the direction of his church, which is his body. Well, if you're the head, the head primarily works through the body. It, the body carries out its commands. Where would, where would the head be without the body? And what he's saying here is that the church is the visible presence of Jesus on the earth. Jesus was here, God in the flesh. Of 1 Timothy 3.16 says, Great is the mystery that God was manifested in the flesh. And he's talking about Christ. When he was here, you read the four Gospels, that was God in the flesh, walking around, speaking, doing things. Um, I read some years ago a, a book that um, left an impression on me, and it was of a, of a Baptist. He was raised, the guy was raised as a Baptist, and he made a transition to the Roman Catholic Church. He became Roman Catholic. And he said one of the things that so impressed him was the fact that in what we call the Lord's Supper or Holy Communion, the priest takes the wafer and pronounces, I think it's a hoc est corpus meum, this is my body, and it literally becomes the body of Christ. And the priest handles it with such awe and then you eat his flesh literally and drink his blood. Now, that's in the Roman Catholic view, which I think the body of Christ is on the earth, but it's not a wafer. I think it's people. And I think that if you looked to your left or to your right, you would see, I mean, you have to visualize this, that's Jesus in the flesh by his spirit on the earth. Now, it, it transforms the way you view the church. 
And see, everything that you think about the body of Christ, how, do you, how, did, how did they view the body of Christ when he was here? Well, I don't think they thought a lot of it. Do you? He didn't win popularity contests. He really wasn't that well known. The, Jesus Christ, who was God in the flesh, flawless, lived in Palestine, modern-day Israel, 30 years, and nobody in Rome even suspected that God had visited the earth. They totally looked over. In fact, um, the, it wasn't until his baptism in Matthew 4 that God said, bore witness audibly and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved son. And the Spirit of God in the form of a dove came upon him. That was the pub, first publicity that heaven gave to Jesus Christ the Son. And just a, let me show you this in uh, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 3. It says that, uh, now this is when he's 30 years old. He's, this is a grown man. His, his, his uh, family did not believe that he was the Messiah. I don't know how much he talked about it. But in Mark 3.20, it says he went home and the crowd gathered again so that they could not even eat around when they were around him. And when his family <clears throat> heard it, they went out to seize him for they were saying he's out of his mind. Now, that is the Gospel of Mark, chapter 3, verse 21. Jesus' own family at this stage of his life did not believe he was God in the flesh. I mean, it, they thought, I, our son, we have to go get him. I think he's going nuts. He's making claims about being the son of God, making claims that he's going to rise again. He's making claims. He's, he's just picked 12 apostles, and they're following him around. It's, it's amazing. Now, I want to tell you, though, when you look at the church, which is the body of Christ on the earth, people do the same thing with the church. They don't see Jesus. And they don't realize that when you touch the literal flesh of a Christian, you're touching the tangible flesh and blood part of God himself. That's why he says here in Ephesians 1 that, and I, that's why I say this blows my mind, because that he's head over all things to the church, verse 23, which is his body. We are his body. It has to do with, with recognition. And what, what does this mean in terms of blessing? Wherever Jesus walked around in his body, blessing came. He hugged the children. He ministered to the children. Whenever Jesus came, um, he healed sicknesses. He was a healer. Uh, John eleven twenty one, Mary and Martha said to him, uh, Jesus, if you had been here when my brother was sick, he wouldn't have died. In other words, Jesus' presence meant something in terms of healing. Even 
Luke 8:44 has a woman who couldn't get better any other way, but she came up and touched just the hem of his garment. She just barely scraped him, just touched him, and she was healed. No amount of money could have healed her. No physicians, a number of physicians or skills could have healed her, but, but she just touched the hem of his garment. Now, you have to think of the body of Christ. Which is better, to stay at home or just to come into the church service and stay on the fringe? Just touch the hem of the garment of the body. Folks, on Sunday morning, just get inside the building. You'll feel the healing. Just try to get in the building. Because God is in the flesh through his church. And Acts 10, 38, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went about doing good. This is, the, this is the church. If you want to know what the church and how it's supposed to function and operate, look at Jesus when he was in the flesh, and because now we're his body, we're to go about doing good. And then he says, and healing all oppressed by the devil. We're the devil's worst nightmare when we are filled with his spirit. For God was with him. Anointed setting people free, healing the sick, where his body was made a difference. Uh, and let me just say one other thing about this idea of the body, and that is it means we're the target of the enemy. Satan hates the church because it's Jesus in the flesh. What God was to Christ, Christ is to the church. As Jesus was the body of God, or the visible part of God, the hands and feet of God, so the church is the visible part of Christ, the hands and feet of Christ. Calls him God's Word. And I had a dream this morning, and I, uh, last night, and I don't know that it was a, you know, a word from God, but... I felt strong enough about it, I want to share it with you. And it, I used to like going swimming when I was about 10 or 12, and, and we, we would go, and, and I dreamed that I was about 10 or 12 years old, and I went to the swimming pool, and I was so happy to be swimming that I just jumped right in and swam across from one end of the pool to the other, and it was very difficult to swim because it was, like, thick. And I noticed as I was swimming across that it was not only thick, it was dark, and it was nasty and green, and it had a scum on top. And when I got to the other side, I, was, I felt icky, and I was, so I went, I was leaving, and as I was walking out, there was a guy come up to me and said, how'd you get in there? I said, I, I just went through the gate. And he got me by the shoulder and said, come with me. And, and he looked at somebody and said, where's Eric? Now, I don't know who Eric is, and if your name is Eric, this is, I'm not picking on you. This is a dream, so I'm not dreaming about you. But he, 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 you know how a dream is, so we just went straight into like a hospital, and then they were laying me on this uh, gurney and giving me a shot and said, 
young man, we're going to have to take your leg off. You've got the infection. It's already starting the foot, and it's going up. And the longer we wait, the more of the leg we'll have to remove. And then I woke up. And I was mad at some guy named Eric. He's supposed to guard the gate so you don't go in there. And I thought of Flint. Because I, when I was looking around, I thought, where's all the people? This is an infectious area. And the church stands guard at the gate. And we tell people, don't live like that. Don't participate in that. Don't cross those boundaries. We stand at the gate. If they listen, they will live. If they do not, it's according to how quickly we can get them into God's hospital, how much they lose. We're the Eric. And I woke up and I felt that in my heart, the importance of the church. Jesus brought the word. He told Pilate, he said, for this purpose I have come that to bear witness of the truth. We are going to tell you the truth. And you need the church today like they needed Jesus then. It is the body of Christ. Now, I won't take as much time with these others, but look at the word fullness. He's head over all things for the church, which is his body. Now, which is also the fullness of him. Now, that Greek word there is a wonderful word in the ancient times. It's the Greek word pleroma, P-L-E-R-O-M-A. And uh, if you, if you, the opposite of it is trauma. If somebody's traumatized, they are greatly hindered and harmed and pained. And, but if somebody is pleromatized, they are blessed and equipped and helped and healed. That is the word pleroma, the fullness of him, the pleroma of Christ has come. The church has, is full of his healing and help and equipment. The word was used in ancient Greece of a ship that was totally equipped for the voyage. All the crew is on board. All the cargo is on board. They are ready to sail. They are ready for the storms. They're ready for the sunshine. They're ready with supplies. Everything is ready to go. That is the word used here. So the church has this through Jesus Christ and through its union with Jesus Christ, it has this in it's been pleromatized. It's been equipped fully from one end to the other so that no matter what comes our way, whether it is physical or financial or spiritual, whatever the issue is, we are equipped through Jesus Christ to face that thing. Now, that's a church. It is an army with big guns. It is a hospital with a full staff and fully equipped. It is a hot rod with uh, eight carburetors. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm stumbling over words here. If we need wisdom, and who doesn't? 
James 1, 5, if any of you, the church, lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men generously. Generously. If we need strength, Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If we need righteousness, 1 Corinthians 1, 30, of him you are in Christ who became to us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification. If we need fullness of any other kind, Colossians 2.10, you have everything when you have Christ and you are filled with God through your union with Christ. I do not know what my future is. I'm sort of in the uh, fourth quarter of my life and ministry anyway. What you can do, however, as a church is you don't need me. You do need Jesus. And with Jesus, you are well equipped as a congregation. I want you to know that. One other thing, and that is this word filling, which is his body, the fullness or the pleroma of him who fills all. Put a circle around the word all. Now, just a quick word about that. The commentaries go nuts on that little final phrase, he feels all in all, or he feels everything everywhere in every way, uh, or he feels everyone at all times. The the translations are varied. But uh, the the one thing that has moved me uh, in this is the idea that, that in the original text, this is what's called a a continual tense. That is, he is filling all. He's continuously and progressively expanding into every place in every way. He's, now get that, because here's the way this would read, because of the the way it's a participle and it's called a continuous tense, he's He is the head over the church, which he has completely equipped and filled with himself. And through that church, he is expanding that fullness and that glory. And he is progressively and continuously, outwardly, touching every place, every person for all time. This is just a climax of his his teaching in chapter 1. There is, there is no end to what Jesus is going to do through his church, which is his body, by thoroughly equipping it and working through it to every place at every time. I was, I was at the fitness center uh, last week. Um, n- not that I needed to go, but I, I went just because uh, I uh, needed to go. And... While I was there, there's two or three guys who are using some pretty rough language, shall we say. One guy especially was using the F word again and again. It was getting obnoxious. And I don't mean the word faith. <laughs> and and he, one of his buddies said to him, said, hey, man, knock that off. It's not the way you do in church. I thought, oh. And... Then he said, 
means because you are an elder. You know, I'm just, woo. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and he said back to his buddy, he said, there's a time and a place for it. Oh, I, didn't, I didn't know that. Huh. You can't use that kind of language at church because that's where Jesus is, I'm assuming. But then when you go there, you know, all, all is possible. <laughs> and that is, that is what he is teaching against right here. The fullness of him who is constantly filling everywhere. Everywhere the body of Christ goes, Jesus is in his fullness. We are expanding the holy of holies outwardly till it fills everything in every way possible. That's the future of the church and the future and destiny of the earth and the universe. He just blows the, every wall off right here. Every boundary gets erased right here. With all its faults and flaws and failures, the church is still, as Bill Hybels put it, the hope of the world. And to be in Christ is to be in the church. Tertullian, the ancient father, put it this way, let no one think he has God for his father who has not the church for his mother. So let me, let me give you a... Oh, give me the next one up there, Julie. This is, this is a paraphrase. God has placed all things under his feet and appointed him as head or for everything for the church, which is his body, which is also the place of his fullness, his pleroma. In other words, we are the location of his sufficiency and through whom he is presently and continually filling every place in every way. When we baptized at Bristol Road this morning, that's another person. They work in a bank. When the, where they go, there Christ goes. We baptized six this past Wednesday night. Those are, that's six more people. Wherever they go, there goes Christ, the body of Christ, filling everything and everywhere. And ultimately, what a destiny for the church. And so qu three quick summary statements. By calling us the body of Christ, that first word, it shows the divinity of the church. By saying that we are full of him indicates the sufficiency of the church. And by saying that it flows to every place continually indicates the victory of the church. This Paul gives us in verse 22 and 23.